We're letting our little ones head out for children's church this morning for those who want to go through third grade. But I am so glad to be back. I tell you, I'm glad to be here. So what did you do with your past two weeks, you know? But you didn't do what I did. Now, I'll tell you what. Two weeks ago today, uh, we, uh, after morning service, we kind of rushed out of here, got home, packed up some luggage as quick as we could, and I said, those kids, they're just so noisy, Penny. You better, no, I'm just, no, they're fine, they're fine. No, we got home, we packed, um, packed up, and I said, I was looking at all the stuff I could take with me. Not, you know, I wanted to take my computer, get all, a lot of church work done. I had like, I've got 20 books I'm trying to read, you know, and I never get time. I'm like, I'll take all those. And I thought about all these things for church. And I took a couple of things with me that I, I really needed to have some time with. But I said to myself before I left, I said, you know what? This is five days. I can go five days without my computer, without all my stuff. With just a few pair of underwear. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't say No, I'll just kid. Thank, praise the Lord, that ship had, had, had a washing machine, a dryer on it. Thank, thank the Lord, I tell you. But no, as I said, I won't need much. You know what? I can take five days and really just family time and just quiet time and not try to do any work. And then Harvey hit and five days turned into 12 days out on that boat. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I know you felt so sorry for me. It's okay. It was, it was interesting. We, it was the unexpected. You know, it was the thing you couldn't plan for. We were, we were thinking we're about done. Now, if you didn't, if I hadn't told you this, you didn't know why we were doing this. Um, every year, Penny's job was she works, she's a social worker for Heritage Trails Nursing Home. They let their department heads, which she's one, go on a trip, a retreat. And every few years, it's, it's a cruise. Um, and it so happens that in that situation, family gets to tag along, and, and you now, Penny and I are not cruise people. We don't, that's really not our favorite thing in the world, and the only reason we do it is because it was a cheap way to do family vacation, you know, and the boys had never been on it, and, and we're thinking, hey, this is, we're going to spend less money doing this than we would any other trip because it was through her job and those group, you know, all that she was taking care of, so we thought, hey, it'll be worth it. And I thought even better because it was a trip. It was a cruise that was, you know, left on a Monday, got back later in the week. I said, I can do it in between Sundays. They'll never know I'm gone, you know. Uh, and that did not happen. You know, that didn't work out. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting. But I got to tell you, one, I, I felt very loved and appreciated because um, for the little bit of co- communication, I was able to back and forth. We occasionally had internet access and I could occasionally pick up a text or uh, get a phone call. Um, but as, when I did have those opportunities, I was very touched and very moved because of how many people were reaching out to us and saying, are you okay? I mean, I know people didn't know if we were in danger, out of danger, or, you know, where we were. I mean, a lot of people, many of you, one way or another, the text or a Facebook post or something, were checking on us and, or just putting out there, we're praying for your safe return, praying that your car isn't flooded, which, praise the Lord, it wasn't, and um, all these things, and I, I, I felt really blessed that I had so many people um, encouraging us and praying for us, and I, I had my mother, I tell you, my mother was sick with worry, you know, my brother who lives in Corpus Christi on the north side stayed there during all of this, they didn't have to evacuate, they're fine, praise the Lord, but I tell you, she had one of her sons and his family in Corpus Christi and her other son 
and his family out in the Gulf of Mexico, and she was beside herself with worry. Um, and so she was trying to get messages every day. I'm praying for you. Please be safe. But, you know, and I really loved all the messages. It really did. It was very encouraging. But I also kind of felt bad when I got them. I did. And here's why. I'm, I don't feel bad. But, I mean, the people who sent them, and some of you did that, I very much appreciate it. Again, you didn't know what situation we were in. But I'm, you know, getting all these messages of saying, oh, how, you know, I'm so sorry for you, and, you know, th- this must be terrible, and, you know, and all these things, and are you okay, and all this stuff, and I'm, you know, I'm sitting there on a cruise ship. I mean, his life wasn't that bad, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I did feel, I, I felt bad because, I mean, there are people out there, you know, wondering if they had homes to come back to, and I'm wondering if they're going to, Stop serving. They're, they're going to run out of desserts on the ship, you know, <laughs> which you can tell they did not. No, they did not, you know. I mean, in, in truth, in all honesty, we were never more than slightly inconvenienced. I mean, at the, at the most. I and mean, there are plenty of people uh, who would have traded places with us from what they were going through. You know, my boys are sitting there missing a week and a half of school going, man, this thing could go on forever, you know. <laughs> They didn't mind. And so every time I got a text or a Facebook message saying, are you okay and so sorry and praying for you and all that stuff, I'm like, man, it's not, I'm okay. It's really good. I'm, you know, we're never in danger. You know, again, inconvenience, okay, but n- nothing more than that. And there's a whole lot of people who have it off, worse off than I do. And so my heart was for them. And I know yours was too. And even if you, you know, try to get a hold of me to encourage me or pray for me, uh, I know you're also praying for those who were, who were affected, um, who did have damage or uh, you know, lives lost and all the terrible things that have happened over the past several days. I know you're praying for them as well. But I do want you to know I, w- I was okay. Now, because I had a, a fair amount of spare time on my hands that I hadn't planned for and, you know, my phone which I carry with me, only has so many songs I can listen to and books I can read, you know, so I listen to the same music over and over. I found myself, especially the last few days, just a lot of quiet time. You know, just sitting out there, just kind of looking out of the water and just thinking and praying and, you know, just spending time, which was good for me. I needed that too. Um, I really, it was nice to have some quiet hours with no other things. I couldn't go do work. I couldn't go spend time on those projects. I just had to kind of be there. And during that time, you know, one of the verses, uh, there was a kind of section of scripture that kept coming back to me. Um, I, I thought of it several times on the ship, and, and, and so I was thinking, you know, I wanted to share it with you this morning. Now, next Sunday we'll pick back up in our, our series through 1 Corinthians. We're kind of getting very close to concluding that, and I got, uh, I think, some wonderful things planned as we finish that. But as I told you, we are on a Real quick break, and this morning I wanted to share with you some verses out of the New Testament. It's also by the Apostle Paul, just one of his other letters. And it's verses that you've heard. I'm quite sure that they'll probably be at least somewhat familiar to you. But they're, they're words that I needed. Um, not, not even so much for me, but just for the situation that was going on, for the people that were dealing with so much stuff, and kind of how to look at tragedy, how to look at, you know, the senseless and make sense of it. And, you know, as I, I kind of went over these words several times, and I just, they've kind of been on my heart to, to share with you. So I thought we'd kind of look at these just few verses this morning. So I want you this morning, whether you open your Bibles or just look on the screen, we're going to look at a few verses in the book of Philippians, 
chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 13. Again, you have probably heard most of these words before. They're very, uh, they're, they're wonderful. We need this reminder today. Philippians 10, verses 10, Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13 says this. This is Paul speaking to the church there at Philippi. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Listen to what he says, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then the verse we know so well, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Now, why am I sharing these verses uh, with you this morning? I, I don't share these verses from a selfish perspective of trying to say like the last two weeks that I've been in the category of the in the want, in the needy. You know, Paul's talking about, he says, I've learned the secret of being happy, content, satisfied, whether things are good or bad, whether I have plenty or whether I have very little. Hungry or welfare, it doesn't matter. He says, I'm, I'm content. And I don't read these verses. These don't come to my heart because I felt like I was in the, in the down category, in the being in need, and I certainly wasn't hungry, you know. I mean, that's not, that's not what comes to mind. I'm I think of these verses because of those who were going through trial. Or certainly were going through a trial that I wasn't experiencing, but it was near to. You know, we see something like that, what has happened over the past week. And we know it's possible that, you know, tragedy strikes, that the, the natural disaster happens, that the unexpected comes. We're, we're aware of this. But it's different when it actually hits you. Now, we've been blessed because, you know, obviously for most of us here, and there may be some of you who've been somehow personally affected by this, but we, we're a distance away from those who've been affected. We're close enough to feel it. But, I mean, the storm didn't hit our houses. You know, when those things happen, when the storm hits, when it hits you, when the unexpected, I'm not talking about the, just the bad day. I'm not talking about when you stub your toe or you get in a fight with a friend or have a problem at your job. I'm talking about when the storm hits, when the big thing comes, when the tragedy befalls you, whether natural disaster or sickness or loss or, or something just big, when the big thing hits you, just like we've seen it hit a bunch of people in the past few days, people that are close to us, when the big thing hits, we have trouble with these verses that we just read. Because Paul says, and, and it's in Scripture, meaning that as, as followers of Christ, we should have the same attitude, should be in the same place. Paul is saying that no matter what's going on, whether good or bad, whether the trials are hitting or all is working out, whether I have plenty or I don't have any, I'm content. He says, I've learned the secret to being content, satisfied, okay with whatever, 
whatever's going on. He was writing this because the church he was writing to, Philippi, they had taken up a collection. They had, you know, he, Paul had worked for this church. They took up some money to help support Paul and ascend to other churches. And he's saying, thank you for giving this money to help the work. But he's saying to them, this money isn't going to make me happy. You understand what I'm saying? He, he's blessed by it. But he's saying, just because you gave this does not give me satisfaction. It doesn't make me content. I'm, I'm content with it or without it. And I'm content whether things are going great or going bad. And I love that attitude, but how many of us can say that's truly how we feel? Not again, not just in little bad things, but when the big things hit. When the senseless hits. You know, because storms hit good and bad alike, don't they? Just because you're a righteous follower of God does not mean you are immune to storms. Now, uh, nobody will really say this or admit it, but I know a lot of people who feel this way, Christians, I've, I've seen it in Christians, who say, in their heart, I am living for God, therefore, He should not let too much bad happen to me. Now, I think all of us, again, we're all okay. We all can accept and deal with the little bad things. You know, they're just the things everybody deals with. But some people, when the, when the big thing comes, when the, the unexpected, when the thing that is, seems unfair comes your way, whatever tragedy hits you, whatever storm knocks over your life, and some of the people look, I've heard them say it when the storm hits, why would God allow this to happen to me why god would this part of my life get destroyed why would everything get upset god don't i follow you don't i show up to church don't i try to worship you and help others aren't i a good person God, I kind of thought we had a deal that if i'm good enough i understand a few bad things but not the big stuff Now, just be honest for a second. Again, I've never had somebody admit to me before a trial they feel that way. But I've seen people, when all seems lost, when all has you know, been blown away, that's exactly how they're feeling. It comes out. It says, God, wait a second. I've served you. I've loved you. I've worked hard. Why would you allow this to happen to me? It's the question of why do bad things happen to good people? i got to tell you something. You may not like to hear it, but it's true. Scripture bears this out. That God never promised you that life is going to be fair. He didn't. He didn't ever tell you that by the time you take your last breath, that all the good and bad that have happened to you, it'll all even out. It'll be equal. He never promised that. In, in fact, think about this. Think in the Old Testament. This is where else my mind has been this past week. Think of the story of Job. Job is a tough book of the Old Testament, man. It is, it is deep. You remember Job? Well, how does that start? It says Satan comes to God and says, it says, look at Job. Job, of course he loves you, God, because look how much he has. 
I mean, he's blessed more than anybody else. God says, all that could be gone. He'll still follow me. So God allows all the blessings from Job to be taken away, right? He loses his income, his, his home, his resources, even his family. His seven sons and three daughters die in a hurricane. And what does Job do? He says, came into this world with nothing. I'll go out with nothing. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Praise be the name of the Lord. Satan says to God, says, of course. He still says this because he's lost a lot of things, but he still has his health. He still has himself, his wits, his, you know, his resource, all this stuff. God says, you can take that away, so you just can't kill him. So what happens to Job next, right? He loses his health. He gets sores all over his body. He goes out and basically sits at the trash heap, the town dump, picking at his sores. He got nothing left. Then what happens next, I, I can't even stand either. Look, what happens next is his friends show up, right? You've read the book of Job. It's a long book. It's a tough book. But if you read the book of Job, the friends show up. They think they're there to help, but what do they say to Job? There's a big, long debate that goes back and forth. But basically, the friends say to Job, Job, look in yourself because certainly you must have done something to deserve this. Because the way the friends wanted to see life is the same way you and I want to see life a lot of times and say, well, no, God is fair and God is just and he wouldn't let something happen without a reason for it. And so they're saying to Job, Job, really look, you must have done something. The problem's got to be in you, Job, that to cause this to happen in your life. If you would just find the problem, admit it to God, then he would fix everything, right? The, the equation would balance. The scales would be equal. What does Job say in reply? He says, I've looked. The problem is not in me. There's nothing I've done to deserve this. Neither Job's a liar. Or he's, again, or he's telling the truth that he hasn't done anything to deserve it. And that is the truth of it. Job doesn't claim perfection. Job doesn't say, I've lived perfectly. But he says, there's nothing that I have done to deserve this kind of tragedy. That God would allow this to befall me. He says, I, I've looked, I've searched it's not there. The problem is not with me. What's the point of the book of Job? Do you know? You know why God gives us this story of tragedy and suffering and all these things? There's a lot of lessons to be learned, but one of the biggest things, and this is what people skip over in the book of Job. We're reminded that life isn't promised to be fair. It's just not. God didn't say that I guarantee you that, that you'll you know, have at least as much good as bad. That you'll have maybe some hard things, but I won't let it go past this. I won't let the storm hit your house. God didn't promise that. When you became a Christ follower, if you're this morning and you say, I know I'm a Christian, I've dedicated my life, my heart, to Christ. I've made that commitment. You entered into an agreement with God. We don't call it an agreement because the Bible calls it a covenant. It's a 
promise made of God. It's binding and everlasting. You gave him your faith, he gave you salvation. There's a lot more that came with that promise, with that agreement, with that covenant. But what did not come in that covenant with God is a guaranteed sign still promise that you won't ever experience unfair tragedy. Now, you and I, we live in a world, we live in an abundant-filled culture that makes us think that's not true. Go do some traveling around the world, friends. Go to some other places that don't have the resources and the abundance we have. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find some really awesome, godly people who have suffered more than you can ever imagine. And you'll find some very blessed people, and you'll find everywhere in between. God did not guarantee us that just because we are in Him, that there's like a level of, uh, we won't get past that, of hardships, tragedy, storm. Life isn't guaranteed to be fair. Not on this earth. When we stand and say, God will set all things right, we're talking about way past now. Now, I've been saying this for a while, and I know it's not fun to hear because we like to be people who think, no, it'll, it'll all balance out. Oh, certainly God wouldn't let anything unfair happen to me. Certainly, I, you know, he, I'm a good person. That huge storm would never hit me. You know what, friends? Drive a few hours south and go talk to some people. See what they tell you. Now, I'm not telling you this this morning to depress you. I don't want you walking out of there going today, well, I guess, you know, why am I following, you know, Jesus? Why am I showing up to church? The pastor just said it's not even a guarantee that bad things won't happen to me. That's why I thought I was, I thought I was right with God. That he was going to protect me from, you know, the worst of the worst. And Pastor just said that those things can still happen. I don't want you walking out with that kind of attitude. Why am I talking about this? Well, think back to these verses we were reading this morning. Because when we understand this truth that life isn't guaranteed, guaranteed to be fair, we can begin to understand what Paul is saying here. Because truthfully, when he says, I know how to be content, I've learned the secret to being content in every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry or within plenty or in want, it's another reminder that life isn't fair. I mean, go, talk, go look at Paul. He, had, he endured some tough stuff, tougher than you can imagine. He's saying that whether up or down or anywhere in between, I'm not worried about if it's fair, but I have learned to be happy. I've learned to be content, is what he said. In fact, he, has, he said this, I've learned the, the secret... To being content, which tells us what? Not everybody knows it. Not everybody understands what is the secret to being content. You say, well, I know the secret. I said it right there. It says, you know, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. That's the, that's the secret. Well, yes and no. Yes, I'll tell you that the secret is found in that verse, in those words. But no, I'll, I'll tell you that a lot of people don't understand it and misapply it because they think, well, that just means I can call the shots. Because I can do whatever I want in Christ, and, and, and he'll take care of it. 
In Christ, He strengthens me. I can just set my own direction. I can name it and claim it. That's not what's going on here. So what's the secret? What is this thing that Paul talks about? What is this like invisible raincoat of protection around him that says, you know what? No matter what storm comes my way, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm content. What is, what is his secret that he's telling us here that's really a call for you and me to have that so few other people get? Because there is a world full of people right now who are going, God, what's up? I thought you wouldn't let this happen to me. This isn't fair. There's tons of boys and girls who are waking up hungry or in abusive homes or in terrible, unimaginable situations saying, God, this isn't fair. And you're, they're right. There's people all around the world hurting, starving, experiencing all kinds of terrible things. And they say to God, God, this isn't fair. And they're right. And there's people just a few hours away from us who have been some godly, awesome people who just lost everything and they're looking at God and saying, God, that's not fair. And they're right. What's the secret to being content? Well, let me tell you. First, you've got to understand the word. Now, this is, going to, this is going to throw you for a loop right here this morning. Listen up. Paul uses a very interesting word that we have translated content in our Bible. You all realize the Bible is not written in English. Written a long time ago. These words were originally written in Greek. And there are several words that could have been translated and chosen for the word content, what we have in our language today. But Paul chose a really rare word, an odd word. It does mean content, but you know what also it means? It also it means to be self-reliant. It does. I mean, a, an extremely literal interpretation could be, I have learned to be self-reliant in any situation. We go, whoa, wait a second. That's not what we've heard about these verses all along. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you're saying it stands for self-reliant. Well, the reason why it doesn't say self-reliant is because that's kind of a misnomer. He's not saying I can handle any uh, situation. He's not saying I've learned the secret to being happy in any situation by being self-reliant. He's not saying because I'm smart enough, got enough money, you know, I'm popular enough, whatever, I'm content at all times. That's not what he's saying. Why he uses his word is not to focus on that he's self-reliant. It's to focus on that he's not dependent on any other person. Human, you understand me? I'm not talking about God. Person. He's not dependent on anyone else. To be happy. He, he's saying, I'm, it's not some other person that is responsible for me being content. I'm not dependent on them. Friends, some of you desperately need to understand that. Because I, I, I talk to uh, men and women who are going, man, I can't wait to meet that, uh, that gorgeous girl one day or that hunky dude that's going to make me happy. Wrong. One of my favorite authors I like to read uh, just for encouragement and, so, and leadership, a guy named John Maxwell, wrote a lot of books about leadership. And he tells a story in one of his books about 
that he was speaking at a conference and his wife was with him. And his wife, after he spoke, his wife took some questions. And one of the ladies in the audience said to his wife, and she, she said, uh, does your husband, John, does, does he make you happy? And John uh, Maxwell, he's going, oh, watch this, man. He's like, watch, you going to tell me how happy I make her because I work hard and I do all these things. And she said, no. And John, he tell, I love how he tells the story in his book. He's like, uh-oh, what did I just do? And then she explained to herself. She goes, I used to think that it was his job to make me happy. Then I realized I'll never be happy if I'm dependent on somebody else. My happiness comes from Christ. To be, the first part of understanding to be content in every situation is to understand, one, life ain't fair, so don't expect it that you won't ever experience trial. You may be on high up on the hill one day, you may be in the lowest valley the next, but wherever you find yourself, it is not another person who is going to make you happy. That is going to solve your problems. You're, you know... Your life is not waiting for that person or persons who will complete you, who will solve your problems. That is a lie. So if you think of today, says, well, I can handle a trial. I can handle anything because I got so-and-so. Because I have this person in my life, or I have this resource in my life, or I have this thing that's with me. What if that is taken away? I point back to Job. God shows us that all things can be taken away in the blink of an eye. Paul is telling us that his, the beginning part of his happiness, contentment, is not relying on anybody else. Does that mean you cut yourself off? You become a hermit? You don't care about anybody else? No. Paul received blessings from other people. He had great relationships, and so should you, but you can't be dependent on those people to make you happy. He's saying, thank you for this wonderful gift you've just given me, but you know what? I'd have been just as happy if you hadn't given it to me, and I'd have loved you just as much as if you hadn't given it to me. It is a happiness, it's a contentment that does not come from others. But then listen to the, that end verse, right? Verse 13. I can do all this, all things, through Him, that's through Christ, who gives me strength. So, we go, okay, my happiness, my contentment, through any and every trial, does not depend on somebody else. But are we saying that I can do all things? So whatever comes my way, it's all good. Whatever path I choose, whatever I try to do, because I'm in Christ. No. It's amazing that Paul uses this word that could be for self-reliance. Because really what it's t- showing us is the more he depends on Christ, the more secure he is in any situation. Friends, it's time right now to just get over that idea that your life is somehow shielded from the worst possible thing that you can think of. That, that, that thing you can count on that is never going to be taken away, that loved one, your health, your money, your job. I don't know what it is for you, but that thing you think you're so secure in, it might be gone tomorrow. And it might be completely unfair that it happened. But it can happen. 
Now, if you think getting another job or finding another relationship or getting more money will solve that problem you suddenly found yourself in, you're wrong. Because that thing can go away too. You cannot be dependent on another person, another thing that's going to make you happy. The secret of being content is being dependent on Christ. And it is saying, I will go where Christ leads me because when I am being led by Christ, I am happy. I'm okay. It's not that things will all work out every time and you know that I'll never experience bad things or never have unfair things happen to me. But I've, I, in Christ, what happens? He strengthens me. Paul ha- understands the secret of being content because he knows that the more he is dependent on Christ in the good and in the bad and in the plenty and in the want, the more he depends on Christ, the more strength he gets for whatever he faces. The person doesn't understand that their life's all good until the storm hits, until the hurricane knocks everything over. And then you say, wait, wait a second, God, I thought you and I had an agreement. I thought nothing unfair would happen. I thought you wouldn't let this happen to me. And the guy's going to look at you and say, you don't get it. That thing wasn't going to make you happy anyway. Only being dependent on Christ. For just one moment, let me point you back over to, I was talking about Job for a long time this morning. Now some of you who know the book of Job probably disagree with me at this point because you're thinking, I know how that book ends. I know how the story ends of Job. You know, all that was taken away from him. Lost his children, his possessions, all these things. And he sat on the trash heap picking at his sores and saying, God, I didn't do anything to deserve this. But you're saying the story ends with God restoring all of it. He gets seven sons and three daughters. He gets possessions back, and in some cases, double what he had before. And you're saying, look, Greg, see, it is fair. It is fair because God will, you know, okay, maybe some bad things can happen, but God will make sure that in this life that you, you know, he'll, he'll at least even it out if you wait long enough. See, there's Job. You've been saying how bad his life was, but he got it all back. Yeah, that's us. That's our pride looking at that. Do you think anything that Job received at the end of his life made up completely and healed all the scars from the losses he endured the first round? No way. I mean, think about it. He lost his children. Just because he had more children, did that take away the pain? Or did it make it fair that he lost them in the first place? No way. The point of Job's story is not to say, oh yeah, just be patient enough and just wait enough and and God will, you know, he's going to make it fair in the end. That's not the point. I mean, I don't want you to misunderstand me about my view of God because God does do mighty work and He does bless and He does restore and He does give us things we don't deserve, but we cannot think that that's what's going to make us happy. And we can't think that we're completely immune to the storms. The point of what we see in Job is that even though it wasn't fair, even though he didn't deserve it, even though he didn't understand it, He kept saying, God, I'm still here. I'll still trust in you. In fact, what we skip over in the book of Job is God does speak at the end of Job. He says, 
that Job says, God, who do you think you are? He says, do you presume that you know all that I know? Were you there when I created the foundations of this world? Do you set all things into motion? No. So don't presume. And Job says, God, you're right. He stops going, he stops asking, why, God, would you let this happen? Why, God, would you let me experience something unfair? And he says, I'm not God. I'm not going to try to be God. I'm not going to question God. I'm just going to trust God. Only then did Job experience the restoration. And even if he hadn't been restored those things, the lesson was learned. The point was made. I don't know what storm's going to hit you tomorrow. You may have your plan for this day or this week. And I pray it goes what you, how you think it's supposed to go, how you want it to go. I pray it all works out. I pray you receive blessing and all is great. But I can't stand up here this morning and say it's all going to be fair. It's all going to work out. That you won't experience something harsh and terrible. You very well might are you going to look at god when that happens whether it's today tomorrow a year from now 10 years from now when the storm hits you're going to look at god and say god how dare you i've been good how dare you let this happen to me? i don't get it this isn't fair are you going to say to god god i don't like it i wish this wasn't happening i don't understand it but i trust you but i will serve you i will keep loving you because you are god and i am not and I will still praise you in the storm. That, friends, is the secret to being content in any and every situation. That's how no matter what might happen to you, when it does happen, you can still be satisfied and at peace with the Lord. So let me ask you this before I pray for you this morning, before we have a time of response. What kind of deal have you made with God that may be not true? What have you tried to say to God? They said, God, I'll keep coming. I'll keep coming to you. I'll keep showing up to church and doing certain things as long as you don't take this. As long as you don't let that happen, God. Now, I don't want you to imagine the worst scenario possible, but if that ever thing happened, is your trust still in God? Are you going to be like Abraham? You remember Abraham before he was considered this great man of faith? He said to God, why do I need you, God? You haven't even given me the son you promised me. I don't need you. That's Abraham who said that. God had to do some things to get his heart right. Or do you trust him no matter what? Even when it's unfair. Even when it's not easy. Are you going to trust him? Some of you this morning need to make that commitment to say, God, I'm in turmoil over this issue in my life, or this part, for my family here, or for whatever's going on. I'm scared over it, and I'm, I'm maybe even blaming you for it, or questioning you over it, or whatever. But God, I'm coming this morning to trust you in it. To realize that you are bigger than I am. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. I, that you understand so much more than I can. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to serve you whether it seems fair or unfair. 
whether things are high or low, I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep giving my life every day to Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to follow him and know that he'll provide for me when the storm hits. Maybe that's what some of you need to do today. I don't know what trial you're experiencing, what fear you are facing, what thing you are asking God for that you think will make you happy, but it's time to put it down. It's time to put it down. Because I don't know what's coming tomorrow. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We want to pray to you right now. We want, I want these people, just God, before you right now, seeking you in this moment. Now we come before you. And God, we want to just get rid of that lie we hold on to that we'll never experience a certain level of trial. Maybe we won't. Who knows, God? There are people who, you know, live almost whole lives with tremendous blessing and some who live in unbelievable situations, God. I don't know where to fall for us. You did not promise us that we will never go through trial. You never even promised to us that everything we face in this sinful, fallen world will be fair. God said that some unfair things will happen. You will at least allow them to happen, God, because you allow all things. And God, we want to we scream at you sometimes. And we want to say, why, God? Why? Why would you allow this? Why would you do this? Why would you bring this? We try to tell you that we've been good enough. We shouldn't deserve this thing we're going through. God, put, help us put that aside. And help us understand the secret of being content in every situation. That it's not that job, it's not that person, it's not that money, it's not that thing that will make us happy. God, that we are, we are not going to be dependent on those. But we are going to be dependent on a relationship with you through our Savior Jesus Christ, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it's not easy. We're going to rely on you. We're going to come and worship you, even when we may be filled with pain and turmoil. That help us put our stuff aside and trust you, trust you, trust you, and worship you, no matter what's going on. And God, then we begin to experience that joy that just, just falls over us. It's just like, again, it's that kind of like an invisible raincoat just, we're just putting on like, you know what? The storm is raging. But I'm okay. I'm still content. I'm still at peace. I'm, I'm still right here. Uh, I may not like it. I want it to end soon. I wish it was different, but I'm still here. I'm still going to trust you. God, and that's just that peace that overcomes. That we stop worrying. We stop trying to fix it ourselves. God, we thank you. God, I pray today is a day where just your your children in this place lay down some burdens. They just release it, God. Whatever they're worrying about, whatever they think they need to just make them a little bit happier today. God, let them just throw that aside. Because I know there's people in today, they're in a situation that they don't like. They're dealing with some things they wish weren't true. And they're trying to say to you, maybe maybe saying to others, if this was just different, I'd be happy. 
And they're looking to you saying, God, aren't I good enough? Haven't I tried hard enough? If you just fix this, God. God, I'm going to pray a tough prayer right now. I'm going to say, don't fix it until they understand that's not going to make them happy. God, let your children lay these things down before you today and say, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be in Christ who strengthens me in all things. No matter what is going on. God, we thank you. We rejoice in your mighty name today. We come before you with a time of prayer and praise. God, we seek you. We want to know you more. God, I just pray your people will be called to do whatever you'd have them do this morning. God, there may be somebody who needs to come forward to share a decision. They're hearing this morning about they, they need Christ because they've been looking for other things or people to make them happy. And they hear the message of Jesus and they say, I need that. God, move that person's feet to come forward and grab a hand of somebody up here and says, I just need Jesus. I, just, I need to get this done in my life. God, there may be somebody who just needs to come up because they need encouragement. Because they've been, I mean, just making a mess out of things. Or their life is just in the middle of a storm right now. They don't know how to handle it. They just need somebody to pray over and encourage them. God, move their feet. There might be a person who just needs to sit still for just two minutes. God, to quit the busyness and the worry and all the, the thousand million thoughts that has run through their head this morning. They just need to sit and be still and know you are God in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, and they'll trust you in it. God, just that maybe for the first time this morning, maybe the first time in a long time, they would just have true worship in their heart with you, God. Maybe somebody needs to go mend a relationship or go encourage somebody else. God, I pray that this time is a moment where we are responsive to you, obedient to your calling, and know that as we are dependent and willing to follow Christ's leading right now, I can do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens me. We'll receive strength when we are obedient, when we follow through. God, thank you for that. Let your people come to your throne this morning. We pray that through the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. We're going to sing in just a moment. I'm going to ask some of our leaders who are normally in place. They're going to be up here. We'll have people up here, people at the back. We're going to worship. Don't run off. We got, you got plenty of time today to do all those other things you need to do. Have a, have a few minutes of just worshiping and responding to God. Do what he'd have you do. You need to come and pray by yourself up here. Pray with the person. Do it. Whatever the Lord have you. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's go ahead and get on our feet and prepare for what the Lord has. I'm going to ask again, those leaders who normally come in place, come on where you need to be. Deacons in the back, we have some people up here. There's somebody always to pray with and talk with you this morning. Don't miss out. The storm might be here or it might be coming. Do what the Lord have you do. Let's sing, let's worship, let's respond.